0: Hello and welcome to Feeling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. My name is Alejandra Angula Alonso and today we are talking about droughts. A lack of rainfall combined with extreme temperature is affecting people's life and causing significant negative effects in Catalonia. To discuss the widespread impact of droughts on this episode of Feeling the Sink, I'm joined by Catalan News journalists Kifre Jordán and Kilian Shields. Hello!
1: Hi. Hi, Alejandra. How's, How's going? it going? Good to be back.
0: Molbe, Molbe, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks no, for having pleasure, us. Pleasure. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, so let's jump right in. One of the characteristics of the Mediterranean weather is the recurring episode of rain and drought, but things are looking quite worrying this year. In February, reservoirs managed by the Catalan Water Agency were already at 55% of their total capacity, around 30% less than a year ago. And I was hoping you could explain what had happened since then with the reservoirs. How bad are we now, basically?
1: Well we're pretty bad. Um, No need for emergency, no need for complete alarm, but we're at the stage now where I think we need to be aware of this and agencies need to act on it. As you mentioned, the reservoirs that are managed by the Catalan Water Agency, they officially classify it as a drought when the water levels dip below 40%. And at the moment, all of the reservoirs that they manage, uh, which is only around half in Catalonia, uh, they're currently at 38%. So we are officially in a drought at the moment.
0: How did we get here?
1: Well, essentially because of two reasons. One, we've had a very, very hot summer. Um, this is kind of a trend as as climate change worsens and worsens, uh, but that coupled with very irregular rain and a very dry whole year that we've had as well Um, these two have combined to to put us in the situation that we're in at the moment Um, so like I said we've had a very hot summer one of the hottest uh, that has ever been recorded for example the weather station in Barcelona uh, it's got data stretching back over 100 years and it found that the average temperature during this summer was 26.2 degrees which is a whole 4.4 degrees hotter than the three decades between the 60s and the 90s. So you can see things are getting much hotter. August as well, it's very important to point out, had very irregular rain patterns, had very little consistent rain. But when it did rain, it was huge thunderstorms bringing very heavy rainfall. And one main complaint as well by many people working in the agricultural sector here is that the systems of collecting this rainfall when it does rain are quite inefficient. that, coupled with the fact that last winter was the driest that we had in 50 years, that really set us on this course to have such a severe drought at the moment.
0: Yeah, and on that same line, the drought today is creating a highly negative impact on the agricultural economy, as you just mentioned. What else do we know about how the drought is affecting agriculture? Gifre, you were doing some research on this topic.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I uh, I spoke with uh, Unido Paceso's trade trade union, uh, this is one of the most uh, well-known trade unions for farmers. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that almost all crops have been affected uh, this year, not only by drought, but also by the early April frost. It was like an unseasonable uh, cold temperatures in early April. So they know the, 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 the impact of that, uh, which is like a 70 80% loss in uh, peach, nectarine, 50% in apples, in winter cereals, 40% in grapes, they say. It's also true that the Catalan Authority for, for Wine, the Catalan Institute of Wine in Cavi, uh, lowers this figure to 15%. And one month later, in mid-May or something, they had like temperatures of 35 to 40 degrees, uh, some heat wave, strange heat wave, in the middle of spring which uh, damaged loads of crops too and the whole of summer of uh, very hot temperatures and no rain uh, is uh, damaging other crops such as olive oil, for instance. Uh, half of the olive oil production, according to Unida uh has been lost actually.
0: Mm-hmm. And I imagine that the cost of these products will also increase
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The cost of these products and also the cost of um, products such as meat, because, you know, one thing is agriculture and the other one is livestock. Livestock needs some cereals that are being Mm -hmm. produced here in Catalonia. And of course, with less production, they have less food for animals. So, yeah, it's like a really, really disaster year for Catalan agriculture and livestock.
0: And it isn't just crops and livestock. Another issue I would like to talk about now is the effects of droughts on the hydroelectric production, which is created uh, with moving water. Obviously, in the midst of the current climate crisis and the war in Ukraine, which has seen fuel prices uh, soar across Europe, there is a huge interest in Catalonia to make hydroelectric production work. Just in 2020, the territory increased its hydroelectric production by 47.7%, allowing renewables to increase their overall production by 15.6%. Uh, percent compared to 2019 and going back to present day how is the current drought affecting hydroelectric production Uh, what did you find out about this
1: well obviously if there's less water in the reservoirs that means that there's less water going through the hydroelectric plants meaning less power is being produced the drought has caused hydroelectric power uh, production to fall by 15 percent in the plants managed by endesa which are actually the vast majority of them in Catalonia, Uh, that's counting between January and July of this year compared with the same period of the year before. Uh, But if you were to compare the production of those same months with the average production over the past 10 years, then this fall is nearly 35%, which is much more severe, obviously.
0: And even if we take a closer look at the negative effects, uh, we also have other sectors affected uh, like water sports and community pools, uh, recreational uh, water activities in general.
2: Yeah, there's been some negative impact on kayaking and other adventure sports, some restrictions in certain reservoirs and so on. Some festas major, some local uh, annual celebrations using water have been also affected. And this has to be like this. And we cannot afford wasting water uh, with recreational, non-basic activities.
0: So the negative impacts are quite widespread. It's not just the economy, as you just mentioned. Uh, The lack of water also threatens wildlife populations, aquatic species. Uh, We have also seen some fires take off. Yes,
2: fires have been uh, a big problem this summer. It could have been worse. We expected much, much worse because we started off summer really badly with with fires. But it's been relatively okay the rest of the
1: summer. I just want to jump in there and say, though, yes, it could have been a lot worse, but obviously, there's always next summer and the summer after that and the summer after that and so on, and obviously just when there's a drought when the land is much drier um that's very important for these wildfires because if there's drier land then it's going to wildfires are going to spread a lot more easy they're going to start easier and they're going to spread a lot more quick
0: Mm, yeah it's just getting worse every year basically
2: yeah absolutely and one of the other landscapes that are changing are the ones surrounding um reservoirs you know reservoirs um There there is, as I mentioned, this reservoir in Rialp in Western Catalonia, which is like one of the most massive ones. And now it is pretty empty and even some remains of an old town uh, that was sunken in order to construct this this reservoir, uh, this old town called Stiurana were emerging you know these remains were emerging uh, the other day so this yeah. is happening around europe so uh, loads of old traces of humanity below water are being found
0: yeah, and in fact, this is quite curious uh, because speaking about re-emerging sunken towns, water levels have actually dropped so low that they have uncovered another village hidden by the South Reservoir. Uh, it was called Sant Roma de South in Central Catalonia and it includes a church dating back to the 11th century that has uh, resurfaced. I have seen the pictures all over uh, social media, and pretty much, I- I'm sure that you guys also. Yeah, and have international
2: seen. media, too, have yeah. reported about how...
0: Yeah, so normally the church uh, bell tower is the only visible sign of the village, but now you can see the, the full uh, structure. Isn't that right?
2: Absolutely. It's everything. Yeah. And yep. You can even get in. I mean, you're not allowed because there are fences, but you could, if you jump on the fences, let's say, you could get into the, the, the church. Yeah.
0: So you both uh, went there. Let's have a listen to your report now. We'll be back in a minute.
1: So we have literally just arrived now at the Sau Reservoir, um, maybe about an hour's drive away from Barcelona. But this whole area, we are right in the middle of nature here. I'm standing in the reservoir, essentially, um, Normally, when the levels are a lot higher than what it is right now, where I'm standing right now would be submerged underwater. Um, and I look around and I see some cliffs over to one side. Just so many, so many trees. And as well as that, of course, there is the small bit of water that, that still remains. The drought has hit the Sow Reservoir hard. Since May, it has lost half the water it had in reserve, going from around 60% full to now only 30%. But this place is unique in the world. When the water level gets low, something very unexpected emerges from it. And I can see just a little bit ahead of me is one nearly a thousand year old Romanesque church, or at least the outlines of the, the main tower of it. In normal times only the top of the bell tower can be seen, but now the entirety of the structure is exposed. A village sat on this site decades ago, before it was sunken into this reservoir over the course of a few years in the middle of the 20th century, forcing many people out of their homes and into a new village located nearby on higher ground. Getting closer and closer to the church now is actually a bit of a walk to arrive there and we can see that the lower ends of the reservoir, the, the ground it almost resembles something in between a filthy beach and even possibly like a construction site. Um, unfortunately, there's, there's a bit of rubbish here. I can see a uh, very weathered, empty, crushed can of Coca-Cola. Uh, I can see a shoe sole. We met up with Ángel Font, who showed us around the reservoir. Ángel is actually originally from the town that was sunken and he still remembers clearly how the place looked, where his family home sat, and where other businesses and families lived. And just before you reach the area of the church we can see that there's there's old walls here. Um, It's not in the same complex as the church, so it probably wasn't a part of the church itself, but it's clearly some old building.
2: It's a cemetery.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so, Ángel's just explaining to us that, yes, this is indeed part of the old cemetery. In fact, as I get closer and sort of get a different angle, we can actually see parts of the mausoleum where, I suppose, remains were once left to, to rest. The cemetery has not been visible for a very long time, and that is just another marker of how bad this current drought is. Ángel uh-huh. so is reminiscing here about how this whole land looks decades and decades ago. He's explaining to me how this whole area used to be surrounded by country houses, mazias, around 20 of them, he says. I also he also explains he can see it very very clearly in his, in his mind's eye looking back to the past he can see where the blacksmith used to make things like knives working with iron he also explained to us the exact location of where he made his first holy communion he just showed us a photograph as well of that obviously special day in his life he explained that he showed us exactly where the, the small road led up to the church where, where everybody where everybody walked up to to make that sacrament and yeah this is he remembers it very, very impressively clearly, I have to say. Very, very impressive. And just poking out above the water as well, right in front of the church, uh, is, is a series of stones, which we, it looks like the last remaining parts of walls that we can see. And Ángel has explained to us that that's where the school was. And I would say it's about 15 metres away from the door of the, of the old church. Most structures were left standing when the town was sunken, but parts of the buildings that were valuable, such as special tiles or stones, well Ángel tells us that they were kept and sold at an auction. So when you get closer to the actual church tower building itself, Ankel has just pointed out to me that there's sort of three windows sort of in a line, a vertical line. So there's a top window which you can see straight through and then a smaller window in the middle and then a very narrow window um, at the bottom. And you can see that in the middle one and the bottom one you can't see through it completely you can see where there was once the window but immediately on the inside of the structure um concrete so ankel has just explained to me that in the 90s um it was decided to completely fill up this whole structure with concrete to give it a little bit more stability to make sure that it doesn't fall because um well it's something of an eerie tourist attraction to come here and see this very well preserved very old, historic church. Um, so the times that you can see it, when the water goes up and goes down, and the level of it, um, it's it's something of a tourist attraction. Uh, in fact, since we have arrived, uh, we can see some three people uh, have come here with some beers, they're just opening it. I can see another couple have just arrived as well with a camera to take photographs. Um, has explained to me that just this August alone, August gone by, Uh, There could be up to a thousand cars reaching here. And as I said, the road to get to this point is very difficult to drive through. It's very narrow at times. Uh, So a thousand cars going through that on one single weekend. I can imagine the traffic jams must've lasted hours. Um, But as I said, This is a bit of a tourist attraction, so the authorities decided to keep it up as long as possible by giving it a little bit of support by filling it with concrete.
0: Thank you for that. And speaking about the shocking picture, the Catalan government has used the South Belt Tower as a campaign symbol to create awareness on managing water in the current climate emergency. This week, they launched a campaign called You Don't Control the Rain, But You Do Control the Tap. So the idea of creating citizen awareness to tackle droughts comes a long way, right Gifre?
2: Yeah. yeah unfortunately uh that's uh, something that it's not the first time that people who've who've li- been living here for for their whole life experience uh i can recall now like the worst uh drought in recent times the one in 2008 14 years ago water levels in cattle managed reservoirs went down to 20.3 percent. that was the low yeah. so So, yeah, it was much worse. Uh, Hope we don't get to this level. We
0: are not very far from that figure.
2: Definitely not. Definitely not. So uh, from April 2007 to May 2008, the trend was horrible. So authorities struggled a lot. Uh, They extracted uh, water from wells, uh, wells that were abandoned. Uh, They um, expanded the, the production in one plant that's the salinized water. So yeah, it was loads and loads of uh, measures. And in the end, it rained. So hope uh, we can save this news for this year uh, soon.
0: Yeah, hopefully. And just to mention that in addition to the campaigns uh the Catalan government has also introduced other measures like water restrictions in the most affected towns.
1: Yeah. So water restrictions this summer came in in around 279 towns. Uh, and now this is, again, only for the what's known as the internal basin, the, the areas managed by the Catalan Water Agency so far. None of the restrictions have been in a domestic setting. So that's important to note. We've only had reductions of water for agricultural irrigation, livestock uses, industrial uses. Um, and in some parts of the territory where it's particularly bad, some recreational uses as as well, they've also been cut back. Uh, but that, I mean things like fountains, you know, things that are, you know, nice but not necessary. So they'd be the first things to go whenever. Uh, water restrictions need to come into place.
0: And I was just wondering, what's next? Is there a protocol to help us out of the drought?
1: Yes, there is indeed. Uh, There's a sort of a traffic light system that Catalonia uses to determine where we are with our water reserves and how we should behave when water reserves are at a certain level. So this traffic light system, it's not exactly like a traffic light that you'll see on the street (laughs) because there's five colors in it. It begins with blue and green. They're the most... um Uh, They're the colours when we're in the best situations, when water water reserves are high. We've got yellow in the middle, and then orange and red when things are a little bit more severe. So blue, all normal, all perfect. Mm -hmm. We can all live and not worry about water levels. The green is the pre-alert stage when reservoirs are below 60%. So that's when the authorities start monitoring the water reserves a bit more closely. Uh, The yellow is when reserves are below 40%, as I said when we are officially in a drought. This is when the first set of real measures starts coming in, like the ones that I mentioned just a moment ago. And as well, it's also when the production of non-conventional resources of water comes into play. This is something that Kifre sort of mentioned a minute ago when using old wells that maybe were abandoned before, and using aquifers, which would be extracting water underground from permeable rock. Um, Orange, this is when things get all Sorry,
0: sorry. Is there where we are now, in yellow?
1: Yes exactly, that's where we are for just under half of the territory, Um, just under half as well, another part of it is in the green pre-alert stage and then there are some, some other parts which are in the blue perfectly normal stage as well. So no part of Catalonia is yet in the orange or red stage. That's when things really start to get serious. That's when we see further reductions in the non-priority use of water. Um, Again, unconventional resources are activated in their entirety. At the moment, it's only partially, but that can increase. Allocations uh, for water as well are are given to, to each citizen. So in the orange phase, when reservoirs are below 25%, there's a maximum allocation of 230 litres per inhabitant per day. This reduces to 200 litres when we get to the red stage. And in case of emergency, that can be reduced again to even 160. But if we're at this stage, it's going to be a case of emergency. And I think decisions will be made in accordance to the context of the day.
2: And in the coming months, we will not only have to pay attention to rain, but also to heat, because one of the main problems, too, It's like if it's too hot, the the snow that it's in the mountains in winter it accumulates. That's a natural reserve of water, and it lasts for the whole summer. You know, this water goes down to reservoirs, and we have water for this whole summer. But what happened this year is like it may it was all melted already, so this reserves disappeared much, much, much much earlier than usual.
0: Yeah, a lot to think about, and I guess Catalonia would need to adapt to avoid another emergency. That means being creative with agriculture techniques and coming up with solutions to protect livestock. I'm looking at the weather forecast on my phone now, and it's saying 90% chance of rain on Friday, at least in Barcelona. Hopefully, things will start to improve as we enter fall. And, on that hopeful note, let's wrap up with our weekly Catalan phrase. So, what do we have this week?
2: Well, we've got a funny one, we've got a tongue twister for you guys, so uh. hopefully uh, your super high level of Catalan will be tested and you'll pass this, this test. This is so. getting
0: harder every week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, plopoc, pro 1st what does it mean?
0: Uh, so it,
1: it rains little, yeah, but it's kind of f- of for the little bit that it rains, it rains it, enough.
0: It's <laughs> enough. <laughs> yes, yeah.
2: correct. Which is actually not true no, now because we need more rain. <laughs> but anyway, Uh Killian so.
0: you knew this one from before.
1: No, no, I didn't. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> okay, so
2: my, levels, ahead, my level's improving. Plau poc, plow poc, Plow però.
1: Plau però que plau plau prou.
2: Wow! Very good. Very good.
0: That's all we have time for today. Thanks for listening. Do please subscribe to in the Sink wherever you get your podcast if you haven't already. Thank you, Gifre. Thank you, Kilian. And thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back again next Saturday with another episode of Feeling the Sink. Until then, from me, Alejandra, Gula Alonso, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adeu.